Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of TechLink in Conversation from the Technical Connection team. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us again in our, our new podcast here. The theme of this particular podcast is to focus on fraud and scams. There's certainly a lot going on at the moment to test our resilience with COVID barely behind us, the Ukraine war, the talk of monkeypox, and then, of course, the recent death of the Queen too into soaring inflation and then volatile stock markets. There's a lot going on. Um, we, we're hoping, you know, with, with these um, sessions and, and talks to help you feel a little bit more robust. Um, and we're certainly seeing that scams are getting ever more cleverer and they are really sent to test our wits at the moment, aren't they? So uh, my name is Hannah Coffey. I work for St. James's Place as the Vulnerability and Client Assistance Manager. And I'm once again joined by uh, Jan Levy. Uh, Jan, I will let you introduce yourself and our guests today too. Thanks, Hannah. And um, very good to be here again. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me back and allowing me to bring along two wonderful people, Louise Baxter and Amber, who is our lived expert. And as you say, our theme today is fraud and scams. Um, Louise is our absolute subject matter expert, but Amber is also an expert in a slightly different way, having unfortunately been the victim of um, a particular type of scam, which um, we're going to hear more about. So hi, Lou, and, and hi, Amber. Hi. Hi, good morning. Good, good, to, good to be with you, and thank you very much for coming along with this conversation. So, Louise, um, I'll let you explain more about your role, but you're the head of the National Trading Standards Scams Team, and I believe you started the Friends Against Scams, which is part of that team, or is another name for that team? Uh, Friends Against Scams is our forward-facing campaign. It's our campaign to try and educate um, consumers and organisations on how they can um, protect their customer base, but also how uh, we can look out for our friends, mums, dads, neighbours, relatives, and essentially protect them from the criminals that might be targeting them. Great. And the more awareness out there, uh, without scaring people too much, but the more awareness out there, uh, the more on the guard we, uh, more on guard we are, um, the better. So uh, I'll come back to you in a moment, Louise, and you can explain a little bit more about how you go about that and, and the advice and the hints and tips you've got for people. But Amber, thank you for very much for joining us. Um, I'm going to invite you in a moment to share the story of, of of what happened to you. But before I get into that, just so we all know, whilst we're listening to you. It did happen a little while ago now. Uh, was it a couple of years ago or so? Yeah, a couple of years, just before New Year's, two years ago. Yeah, okay. How easy or difficult is it for you to look back on what happened to you and, and, and talk about it now? It's still it's still really difficult. I think there's, there's a lot of shame around this kind of thing. Um, I don't think I've ever been seen by a victim by, you know, friends and family or by the bank itself or even by myself to be honest um I look back and I just think how on earth did this happen to me never in a million years did I think that I would fall victim to this kind of scam you you hear stories in the news of of people you know like giving away their money to boyfriends that they met online and and you know falling victim to scams bank scams like I did and you just think god they were they were stupid weren't they that's like the the fallback thought that goes through your mind and I used to do it as well but now I'm a lot more aware that actually 
you know, these these people that fall victim is because the people who have scammed them are really, really smart, I think. And mm. the whole event is important. You can't look you can't look at it and at an event and say, Oh, it's so obvious that was a scam because there's so many different parts to it that lead up. The overall is obvious. But as mm. it's kind of going through, you, you don't realise until the end. So yeah, it's quite difficult and, and embarrassing. I'm still embarrassed by it. <laughs> well well I think um I'm sure the message from Louise is going to be loud and clear that you you, you shouldn't be. Um, but with thanks and recognition that it is hard to talk about, can I invite you just to explain a bit about what actually happened? Yeah, so um, I'd just woken up from a nap <laughs> and yeah. I had a text message from my bank um, and it said, uh, I think we've all received these messages, there's some suspicious activity in your account um from just eat was this you and a few days earlier i had ordered from just eat and i don't know if it was because i was still half asleep or or whatever it was i thought oh yeah it must have been me and i i answered yes you have to respond yes or no um and then i just thought for a second hang on why would they do that a few days later and i checked my account and there were two payments for just eat that day so i text back no quickly so in the space between us, I text back yes and no, there probably was like a minute difference. Anyway, I get a response from the bank. I think it's the automated response that says, okay, you don't have to, you don't have to call your bank. So I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, a couple of minutes later, I get a phone call from who I thought was my bank. Um, and they were talking about there's been some suspicious, some suspicious activity on your account and they talked about the payments, the Just Eat payments. Um, and I was like, yes, uh, I responded uh, yes to your text message, but then I realized it was no. Um, you know, they seemed really legitimate. It was a, it was a, a girl on the phone, um, went through the security questions, you know, like my name and address and, you know, like the, the typical things that your bank asks you for. Um, and then they told me that there was somebody still on my account. There was somebody, somebody still had access to my account and that they were going to set up a separate account um, to make sure that they, they couldn't access it. And I know that sounds really crazy. And when I say it out loud, it seems really crazy as well. And so obvious that it's a scam, but I just legitimately thought that I was talking to my bank um, and then they said, you know, I, I questioned it a little bit and I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yeah, check the back of your card um, and you'll see the phone number. And if you look at the phone number that we're calling you from, you can see that it's the same. And I did that and it was exactly the same number. So that kind of fueled my, my or made me feel a bit calmer. Like, yes, I'm definitely talking to my bank. Um, anyway, they got me to transfer uh, all of my money to this account. Uh, and it wasn't until right at the end when I had you know like I don't know 10 pounds left in my bank or something like that that I just questioned this this lady on the phone and I just said are you sure this is real and even to the last final moment she was like yes you know don't worry we're from the bank and then she hung up on me and and that was it and that was that yeah yeah wow and and, and how much money did you lose it was about two thousand pounds so that was my salary uh, and a bit of savings that I had uh, mm. and it was just before New Year's so obviously all my direct debits were about to come out and it was just the most traumatic thing and then I had yeah. to go downstairs 
to my partner and my partner's family who were all together obviously because we were about to celebrate new year's in the coming days and face them and explain what I'd done which was even more humiliating it's just the whole thing was horrible (laughs) so there was a reaction there was an impact on you in that moment when you realized yeah and then presumably an impact over the coming days weeks yeah my mental health plummeted just I fell into depression I suffered with anxiety and just eventually I had to seek professional help because I just couldn't cope anymore it really Mm -hmm. took a toll on me and if I understand rightly part of that was the experience of then trying to work with your bank to get to grips with what happened to try to get your money back um which sounds like it, it 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 added to the the stress of the situation right yeah it just made the whole situation worse I mean I was passed off to a whole load of different people you call your bank and they say oh no you need to call this person and then they pass you off to somebody else and none of them or very very few of them were sympathetic in any shape or form at no point did I feel like a victim of a crime that's for sure at no point I really felt they were asking me these questions that just made me feel even more stupid uh, you know, than I already did and more humiliated. And I had to keep telling these different people I spoke to, I had to keep telling them the story. And so I was just reliving it, reliving it. And it was, yeah, it was just really, really horrible. And then after I'd done the initial kind of um, reporting it, I didn't hear anything from the bank. I'd get a random text message every now and again saying, we're still looking into it. Uh, we'll contact you within, I don't know, 14 days. And then it would be right on the 14th final day, I'd get another text message. We're still looking into it. We'll contact you within another 14 days. And they'd, and that was it. And then finally, I just got a letter saying, unfortunately, we haven't, I think they were able to recover £100 or something like that. Um, and they said, unfortunately, we haven't been able to recover the money. Um, and that's the end of the uh, investigation. And that was that. Was that. <laughs> that was that. That yeah. was that. Okay. Listen, Amber, thanks for... Thanks for telling that story. It makes it real for people. It's one type of scam only, and we're going to hear about more from Louise, but it's so helpful to have heard a real story and about the impact that that experience had on you. And I'm, we're going to hear from Louise in a moment, but, but Amber, feel free to jump in because you know this is still about your experience and, and, and you're our lived expert here who has come to help people understand what it's really like. But Louise, when you hear Amber's story, how typical is that what does that make you think and what does that make us learn about what's going on out there at the moment well if you if you think from um so some of the figures from citizens advice talk about 36 million uk people have been targeted by a scam or a fraud so there's a lot of people so you're not alone in that situation um the fact that you're telling your story publicly is really quite brave because they're also as you've said there's that um that shame and blame element to it, that you blame yourself and that shame element, which we often find with um, lots of scam victims. I've been scammed and I'm head of the scam team. So because there's been situations where I've been situationally vulnerable and I've bought counterfeit goods, for example, um, because I did it late at night and because I was stressed. And the the shame that I felt about that, considering I'm a trading standards officer, it was quite immense in that state. So you're not not alone, but your story is particularly common. the 
Matt, the complexity of the scams and the and the frauds that we're seeing right now is the criminals have really managed to diversify. And every every crisis point that we hit, which adds to our situational and marketplace vulnerability, because people aren't generally vulnerable. It's what's going on around them that makes them vulnerable at particular times. So if you think about COVID and lockdown, social isolation, we then move from that into um the war, we then moved into that into a cost of living crisis, we've then moved into the Queen dying. All of these circumstances that surround us provide opportunities for the criminals to target us. They can diversify far quicker than we ever can. Um, they have far more resources and they can move much quicker. Um, so we are seeing all of these different opportunities for criminals to target people. Like if you think about cost of living, it's we're seeing um, fake loans, fake government grants, phishing emails, um, too good to be true offers because people are they're playing on people's need to um, be able to make to be able to buy things that they wouldn't have been able to do before. Um, fake petrol vouchers, food shopping vouchers, all of these different ways that they're using the things that are going on around us all of the time to then try and entice people to either give them their money or give them their personal information. Um, and the, the one that you've talked about, the scam that you've talked about, it was particularly clever. And actually it's about what the criminals are really good at is pushing you, pushing you into something called what's called a hot state, which makes your decision-making process not as it would be because they make it so urgent. You need to do it now. If you don't do it now and then we panic. My... Um, just on this morning, my email's been hacked and 211 of my com- my passwords have been compromised. 211 of them, which is now made me panic. Maybe going to an utter panic. I've regrouped myself now, but I went into an utter panic, changed my bank passwords and I will steadily work my way through the 211 others. But it's very quick to be, to be when someone's on the phone saying to you, your bank account's been compromised um, you need to do this, this and this. The fear of losing that money, sometimes you get pushed into a hot state, which means you don't always make the decisions that you would say right now talking to me without that pressure. And, and Louise, you mentioned earlier, just briefly, situational vulnerability. For anybody who didn't catch that, what, just explain that, would you? Uh, and, and how some of us can, anybody can get into a, a position of situational vulnerability at any time. Can you just, just, just explain that in a bit more depth yeah. for us? So from a broad brush approach, um, the way that, so vulnerability used to be defined as, well, if you're old, you're vulnerable, uh, you're weak, you're unable to protect yourself. It used to be sort of really old fashioned and it used to be a label that we would give people. So people are vulnerable, um, which in my personal opinion is really disempowering and disengages people from processes straight away because we're trying to do something to people. Um, So now the way that we define vulnerability is situational vulnerability which is around something that's happened around you which can cause you to be vulnerable so vulnerability is fluid and dynamic we move in and out of periods of vulnerability and anybody can be vulnerable so a disability could cause situational vulnerability a bereavement um, a health condition um, a financial shock those things can cause situational vulnerability And then if you add into the mix at the moment as well, marketplace vulnerability, which means that we're trying to make decisions on the basis of imperfect information or um, of something that we haven't done for a long time or we're new to that particular market. So the information, we don't know how to access the right information in that space. Like, for example, uh, buying an electric car. I wouldn't have the first idea how to buy an electric car. 
Um, so that would make me marketplace vulnerable in that space. But with the way we've expected everybody to go from bricks to clicks and move from buying things in shops and talking to people to moving on online, we're providing more opportunities for the criminals to exploit that because we don't teach people how to do that safely. Um, and if you're, if you think, well, I think one of the stats is only 47% of over 75s have Wi-Fi in their own homes. So we're, we're totally disengaging one, an older end of the market with that marketplace and potentially situational vulnerability, which could be cognitive decline, for example. So it's not people that are vulnerable, to summarise, otherwise I talk about this all day, as you know. Uh, to summarise, to summarise, vulnerability is, is fluid, it's flexible, we can all be vulnerable, but it's not about people, it's about what's going on around them. And actually, it, it, it makes me think of the other podcasts that we've recorded in this series. We've recorded podcasts on dementia, on bereavement, on mental health, on people who are unpaid carers, on relationship breakdown, on digital confidence, on economic abuse. And when you were talking, Louise, I just thought those are all situations that might make people more susceptible to falling victim to this kind of thing. And and but what's interesting is that Amber, you you didn't you weren't in any of these categories really, were you? I mean, as you said, the, the most vulnerable you might have been was bit groggy from a nap <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't classify myself as as vulnerable in that situation and the fact that it's happened to me is just it just emphasizes that someone who is vulnerable it would be even easier I mean it was easy for them to take the money from me but someone who's vulnerable you know how much further would they have gone for example or could they do it again a second time I think it's it's opened yeah. my eyes definitely yeah yeah um, and there are other instances around, for example, gambling, Louise, that I know we've talked about in the past that might also make people a little susceptible if they're desperate to get their hands on some more cash, for example. Uh, th- what, what are the trends around that at the moment? So it's um, the scam. So when we talk about scam, I don't like to cl- classify scams or fraud or even lottery scams or those sort of things as gambling because they're, they're treated slightly differently in the fact that um, if you have a gambling addiction, you might not get as much sympathy as if you were a victim of fraud, which is yeah. which is the difference in that. But what we find is that they use the same techniques. Um, so the criminals um, are essentially sometimes they're so you'll get the sort of scam that Amber's in relation to this one where they phone you and say there's something wrong with your bank. That's an impersonation scam. Uh, but we still see a lot of um, lottery scams, too good to be true offers, clairvoyant scams. Um, per, like purchasing scams on shopping scams so buying something that doesn't arrive um, because it's a, a great price or it's a too, too good to be true offer so people are sending money on from online platforms or from links that they may get on a social media platform um, so we see all of those different it's clever marketing which can sometimes so if you think the, the different scams for different types of people so some are more likely respond to respond to some scams so we find that investment scams are quite often targeted at men because they're high rollers and there's a bigger risk and they like they like the chase whereas sometimes we find with letter scams which are smaller amounts 40 pounds 40 pounds 40 pounds they could be targeted at women but what we find with all of those scams is if you respond to one what happens is you'll get added to what's called uh, it's a suckers list which the criminals then use to bounce your personal information from organized crime group to organized crime group which essentially means you can be effectively targeted. And um, the more information they hold on you, the cleverer the targeting becomes. 
cleverer, that's not a great word, is it? The more sophisticated the uh, the targeting becomes. Okay. And we're saying this not to scare the wits out of people, but to help people be on guard, right? And let's talk in a moment about what can be done, what positive steps can be taken. But just to put some of that into perspective in terms of the different types of scams and frauds going on out there, and you mentioned a few of these, investment fraud, and these are stats, there's a bit of data from which, and it's a bit old now, it's between April 2020 and March 2021, but what's interesting about investment fraud is that uh, the average amount lost was over £25,000, whereas the average amount lost on online shopping and auctions fraud was £674, but many, many more reports of that kind of fraud. Um, so um, the I think it sort of plays to your point about different types of fraud and scam targeted at different types of people. But let's think about you know what can be done how can we how can we win how can we be on guard how can we not fall victim to uh, these sorts of things amber what would you have liked to have known before this happened to you it's, that's a, a difficult thing to answer i'd obviously like to have known how sophisticated uh, scammers can be um you know you can see on bank websites and things like that little messages that say you know we will never ask you to do this or that or but I, I don't know if someone had just said to me be aware of this you know it might have been more fresh in my in my mind I might have thought about it more in the situation um it, it's, it's it's a difficult it's a, that's a difficult question to answer yeah. you know because yeah. I would have liked to have known everything I would have <laughs> liked to have known um, you know, how easy it is to fall victim to these things, that it's not just the vulnerable, that it's everybody who can who can fall victim to it. Um, I'd like to have known the process if you do fall victim to it as well, because I felt really in the dark. I still kind of feel in the dark. I just got these random text messages and then a letter, you know, could I have done more? Uh, you know, should I have uh, appealed it or, or gone further? Or do you know what I mean? I, f- I feel very ignorant to this whole situation. And it's happened mm. to me and I still feel ignorant. Obviously, there are things now, you know, I never answer phone calls from unknown numbers. And if I do answer phone calls from unknown numbers and they ask for personal information, I say that I'll ring them back. So things like that, just to be more aware that, you know, we automatically give a lot of personal information when we do these security questions. But scammers are now really clever and, and they're asking you these to, to pass through the security questions and you're giving them your address, you know, your full name. So those kinds of things, I think, just just to be more aware that, you know, are you really talking to that person? Because I legitimately believed I was talking to my bank and I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, and Louise, Friends Against Scams is, is, a, is a campaign. What, what are the main things that you're emphasising and trying to get out there? amongst the general population with Friends Against Scams? What, what we find at a, sort of a, a national level is, as Amber says, there's a lot of messaging out there that your bank won't do this and someone will do this. And some of the messaging is um, it's, it's inconsistent, so a lot of it doesn't land with, with consumers. Um, so with Friends Against Scams, what we try to do is teach people. It's an online learning, so online um, training session for 20 minutes, or you can watch a 10-minute quick video. Um, so that you just get an idea of the signs, the warning signs that somebody that you care for could be being targeted um, and how you have sort of 
those initial conversations with them to, to provide them those warning messages. And what that then does gives you vicarious learning because you learn by training someone else or caring about somebody else, um, which makes it land a little bit better. There's also sort of a call to action that once you've learned about scams, what are you going to do about it? So how are you going to help us? Um, so for us, it's around things like promoting some really simple messaging, which is about stop and think about what's happening right now. So no legitimate company or legitimate organisation will mind if you go, look, I need to think about that. Can you phone me back or can you give me a number to call you back on or I'll call you on the number on my card or I'll call you on the number that I find on the internet for whatever reason. No legitimate company is going to give you, make you feel bad for wanting to do that. That's the first thing. So it's always just stop and like take a minute, take a breath, have a cup of tea, put the phone down, talk to someone else and then ring them back. Yeah. Because that would that's yeah. the simplest thing. And if and if um and then if you want to challenge, challenge it. But to be honest, mine is always stop. Go, do you know what I need to think about that? Put the phone down, then reflect, and then I'll take the right action after that. Um, yeah. and it's cascade those messages. And also from Amber's perspective, again, it's like not knowing what to do when that happens. Where'd you go for help? Mm-hmm. First thing to always do is contact your bank. Contact your bank. Let your bank know what's going on so that if there's any money that can be protected, they can protect it from, and stop it from going out the door. Because, of course, this costs banks a huge amount of money as well, doesn't it? Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, Amber, in your case, you didn't get your money back, but many people do. Uh, and, and it's a huge cost to banks. So it is in their interest, ultimately, isn't it, to uh, help you spot the signs, to be supportive um, and, to, uh, and, and, and to keep spreading the word about how to be vigilant. Um, but when you're having that initial conversation, Louise, you explain, you know, sit, sit down with a loved one, for example, and, 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 and talk through the, the, what, what could possibly happen. And you're talking about, so how does that conversation start? How, the, the, the signs, what to be aware of? How, how do you broach that? Well, so if someone was getting lots of different, we, we know again, so the way that the criminals work, they pass information on. So an increase in phone calls, an increase in letters, um, people referring to new friends, that they don't really want to talk about. And actually, if you talk to them or quiz them about it, then essentially they could be secretive about things because we find mm-hmm. a lot with the criminal organ- the organised crime groups, which is, let's, well, let's not sugarcoat this, it's grooming for adults, it is. It's around that coercive control. They tell you a lot of things so you can be in a position where you're keeping things a secret. So those are your sort of first warning signs, Some a slight change. And then it's just about highlighting the scale of the problem so the conversation that like we have had with amber that you're not alone lots of people get targeted there are um the criminals it's within it's to their benefit to target as many individuals as possible in the hope that they then get a return on their on on, on their targeting um and then just talk them through the different things that they can do to protect themselves around that stopping thinking challenging or other, other effective things like you can get call blockers, you can block all international calls coming in. Um, you can opt out of things with Royal Mail or opt out of things with your with your online email providers. There's other practical steps as well as the ones where somebody's coming at you for you to go, right, stop, I need to have five minutes to think about that. That's that's one of the first things that I did. I downloaded one of those apps that stops the scam calls, but there's still some that get through, but it is quite good. It even puts um, a lot of your text messages into a junk file, um, which I, I guess is, is helpful as well to kind of not click on those links that seem really legitimate. 
Yeah, and if with emails, if you scan over the email address, you can actually, if it says, I've had loads of like, uh, phishing ones from Amazon and PayPal, but when you scan over them, it's like John at BT Internet, yeah. isn't it? It's not, it's not yeah. uh, from, from the legitimate PayPal address. So there's the, things you can yeah. do to check. The emails yeah. from the, um, I got a text message today from the delivery company. Your package has been sent back. Click this link, you know, mm. and then you click the link and they ask you to pay and things like that. So that those kind of things from this, from my experience of this scam, now I'm just more hyper aware of these things. So I'll never click on links. You know, I get constant emails from Hotmail, um, which is my email account, saying your someone's tried to breach your your account. I never click on anything now. I'll always go straight into the into the you know the website itself so I think you know sadly I've had to learn from a, a bad experience but hopefully lots of people can learn if we just make people more aware I think that's that's the whole thing it's, it's, it's so we're so busy all the time and our phone our lives are in our phones our diaries are in our phones our emails on our phone everything is on our banking everything so you pick up your phone there's an email and it says oh this this account's been breached you need to change the password so easy just to click on it and do it it's so easy and some of those things like the package ones i clicked into the first time that came out in in because i was getting packages all the time when we were in lockdown i clicked on it and then when they were asking for what they asked for my address i was like they know my address because they've been here before they've tried to deliver something but that was only that was what two pounds two pound fifty each one or one pound fifty what that scam then did was allow the uh, criminals to have all your information to then withdraw further money from your bank accounts it led to more and more and more scams it was like the start of a list for criminals to start targeting people i think yeah. that's, that's that may have happened to me i do remember prior to this this scam happening um i was on the, a call with vodafone renewing my contract and i was trying to give them my bank details and the phone line cut i i didn't have signal and um a day later i got a text message from vodafone saying you know we need your account details and i clicked on the link and i put my account details in and now i'm i'm pretty sure that that's how they got my account details the just eat which led to this whole scam so stupidly but again you know this perfect it's not stupid, this, it's, not stupid. it's just perfect timing isn't it because these things happened as a result, so I was talking to Vodafone and I tried to give them my account details. It didn't work. I get a text message. The Just Eat thing, I got the text message from my bank, which was legitimate. They said I don't need to call them. Then I get a call. It's just perfect timing. I think under any other circumstances, maybe I wouldn't have transferred my money or maybe I would have. I don't know. Mm. Look, I'm, I'm really interested in, in, in how to support people in spotting the signs. I think that point you made about if somebody's talking about a new friend, for example, we hear about romance scams, for example. I'm also interested in, you know, we talked about situational vulnerability. I'm also interested in seemingly positive stuff that happens to people that actually might make them vulnerable. For example, a big, a big, a big windfall inheritance, for example. And, and, and does that come into play, Louise? Have you... Anything can cause people situational vulnerability. That's the thing. It's subjective. So, uh, yeah, windfalls. Um, so people getting an influx of money that they weren't aware of or like that they weren't expecting, that can cause vulnerability because they don't know how to spend that or how to manage that. Um, so other things like uh, promotions, so job relocations, that's a positive thing, but you're relocating. So, again, that can cause um, situational vulnerability. 
uh, getting a moving to university as a 18 year old again really positive experience because it's brilliant but actually that causes situational vulnerability because it's new and you haven't done it before so that's yeah. like having a like having a baby situational vulnerability um now uh whilst that's a beautiful positive thing actually that can cause your life completely changes overnight so your situational vulnerability and for some people that can be as severe as postnatal depression and last for a long time or some people that could be just a couple of weeks or some people that could just be so overwhelming because they've had a baby that is so positive that that causes that situational vulnerability so yeah it can be it can be anything actually all sorts of situations and when financial advisors are with clients and they'll have a reasonably good view of uh, somebody's circumstances somebody's life but perhaps not the whole view there's potentially a, a, an opportunity to just understand what's going on in somebody's life understand the sorts of things that might be m- might cause them some sort of situation or vulnerability whether those things are on the face of it negative or or, or or positive things but but to finish off with let's get into some really practical hints tips steps that people can take to to, to stay one uh, step ahead Right. So the Friends Against Scams website is going to have a ton of information on it. Right, Louise, that people yes. will find helpful. Yes. Um, you mentioned apps that help to screen calls and text messages. Uh, Any ones particular that you would recommend? Uh, no, I think it's just a case of whichever ones your providers have got. Have a look on the app store and see which okay. ones you would, you would look in relation to that. OK. Um, I found some really helpful content on which if you if you go onto the which uh website um there are things like seven pension scams to watch out for and seven energy scams to watch out for um there's tons of content uh, on that website that will really help people to stay one step ahead help people to be vigilant and um and to and to beat these criminals and i think you know louise what you said earlier about just stop take a breath phone back i think is really really important advice yeah don't jump into something I agree I think with also that. Report it. I think also, so as a law enforcement agency, I can't do anything about this unless I know about it. Um, and sometimes we are apathetic to reporting things because actually we don't we don't always think that anything's going to happen from that report, and it might not. It might just be that you're sharing that intelligence. But enough people share that intelligence, and we will have enough information to be able to maybe to do something about it from a law enforcement perspective. Um, so that reporting would be uh, really important. The other thing is don't be ashamed. Share your experiences. Uh, the peer-to-peer support in this space we found is completely invaluable for educating people. So, and is anywhere, anywhere particular you would recommend people go to for that? So we, we, as part of Friends Against Scams, we recruit scam champions who train other friends and share their experiences. We also recruit scam marshals who are other people that collect intel for us and share intelligence on scams and share um, their stories so that it makes it... So what we find is it then gives other people permission to talk about their experiences, which means that the shame element is part of the problem and we don't know the scale of it. We know it's, we think it's something like between 5 and 15% of people report the fact they've been targeted or right. actually been scammed. So the shame holds people back. So we don't know the true scale. Uh, so the more people talk about it, the more they're going to protect other people because then they're going to go, oh, I had one of those calls. Yeah. And then yeah. we educate yeah. in that way. And it's something that we hear so often. We've got to talk about these things. We've got to break the stigma. We've heard it in our Cost of Living Crisis podcast. We've heard it in other sessions uh, on um, other issues that we've covered. Mental health is the obvious one where a taboo has largely been broken and we've got to break other taboos and get people talking. Um, 
talking of talking, Amber, thank you very much for coming and sharing your story. So very helpful to hear about a real experience. Um, Louise, thank you for coming and sharing all of your expertise and the work that you do at Friends Against Scams. And, and, and thank you for helping us to stay uh, one step ahead of uh, these people in society who are trying to, uh, trying to scam us. Um, I hope that's really helpful for people uh, as a resource to stay one step ahead, uh, to keep on top of things, to not fall victim. And um, we appreciate your time and energy um, in this conversation, Louise and Amber. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Very much appreciated. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.